You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming with Pastor Keith Miller. Well, good evening. I have a scripture passage I'm going to read. I just want you to listen to it. You can, if you have a Bible, you can look in your Bible if you would like. But it's 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 21. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. I wanted to just take time to reflect on seven statements, seven sayings, seven things that Jesus said from the cross. As you know, before his crucifixion, he endured six trials. All of them were unjust. The first, the first six were under the cloud of darkness, uh, officiated by the religious leaders. The final, the final three were by the Roman government. He didn't deserve any of it. He was sentenced by Pilate because of the demands of the crowd to crucify him, to be flogged, and then later to be crucified. He was scourged. He was humiliated. He was mocked. A crown of thorns was was created and it was thrust onto his skull. He was beaten with rods as these soldiers mocked him. A purple uh, robe was placed upon his flesh-torn back. He was forced to carry his cross to Golgotha, where he was stretched out and he was nailed to that cross. And on that cross he said, Seven statements. The seven statements were as follows, and you can just listen. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As the soldiers cast lots and gambled over his garments, his clothing. The second statement, he said to a thief that was crucified next to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The third statement he said to his mother as she stood at the foot of his cross next to John, one of the disciples. And he said, woman, behold your son, as he looked at John. Then he said to John, behold your mother. The fourth statement Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me as he experienced the wrath of his Father, the first person of the Trinity, as he turned his back on the Son. The fifth statement came as he knew that 
His time was coming to an end. He was about to breathe his final breath, and he cried out victoriously, It is finished. It came after another statement where he said, I thirst. And then finally, he yielded up his spirit and he said, with that final breath, an exhale, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Seven statements from the cross. Now, I don't know if you have had to sit at the bedside of someone dying, but usually when a person is dying, they choose their words carefully. Whatever it is that they, that they want to say, they try to say it in those moments. And Jesus, on that cross as he was dying, said seven things. I, I want to reflect on those for a little bit. And what I want to do is I don't want to reflect on them necessarily in the order that we read them in the Gospels. I want to reflect on them and save the final statement that I want to reflect on, the one where he said to that thief that was next to him on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. I want to save the final statement I reflect on for, for that one. But the first, Father, forgive them. Think about when Jesus said that. He said it as he was hanging from a cross. He said it as the Roman soldiers were dividing up his garments. He said it as they were gambling over a certain piece of his garment. He said it as the religious leaders mocked him. He said it as the two thieves on the cross also reviled him. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And in doing that, Jesus was interceding for transgressors like you and like me. In doing that, Jesus was fulfilling the law, a law that required sinners to pay a penalty that we all deserve under the wrath of God. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And then what he said to his mother, woman, behold your son, in Jesus going to the cross and dying in our place, he would redefine what it meant to belong to a family. I don't know if you thought much about this, but I thought some about this, and that is the bond that brothers and sisters in Christ share together is stronger than any bond you will ever have because of blood. If you look around, if you're a Christian, we're going to spend eternity with one another. What binds us together is our relationship with Jesus Christ. We belong to his kingdom. We belong to his family. He said, woman, behold your son. And then he looked at John. He said, John, behold your mother. I want you to take care of her. Even though you're not biologically related, I want you to take care of her and I want you to treat her as your mother. And in another statement, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He suffered on that cross the wrath of God. Now, last Sunday, I talked about this last week, where he was in Gethsemane, and he was staring at this metaphorical cup, and he said, if, as he prayed to the Father, he said, 
if it be your will, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, may your will be done. And I said last Sunday, according to the scriptures, he drank every last drop. As he hung on the cross, he was drinking every last drop from that cup, the cup of God's wrath. In your place and in my place, he did that. For you and for me. He suffered God's wrath so that we would not have to. He was forsaken by God so that we would find favor with God. Think about what that means. Like in going to the cross, when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was quoting a psalm, by the way. He was making possible for you and for me to know what it means to be a child of the living God. He was forsaken so that we would never have to experience being forsaken by God, having placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was as if in that moment, God the Father turned his back to the Son. And for the first time in Jesus' experience, he experienced the disfavor of God the Father as he stood in our place, as he hung in our place, as he experienced the cross that each and every one of us in this room deserved. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then that other statement, where he, a simple statement, just two words, I thirst. I thirst. Uh, it's a picture of Jesus' humanity. Not only was he fully God, and, and, and because he's fully God, was fully God, it, it, was, it was able to hang on that cross in your place and, uh, and my place and to die for the sins of all mankind in your place and my place, but he thirsted, like he thirsted. He, 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 his mouth was parched. He was fully human. There was no dulling of the senses when he hung on that cross. He experienced all the things that we experienced, yet he was without sin. There's a psalm that he was quoting from. I don't have the words on the screen, but it's Psalm 69. It's just two verses. This is what he was thinking when he said, I thirst. Reproaches have broken my heart so that I am in despair. I looked for pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. He suffered as being fully human and also being fully God. And then he said, it is finished. After he received the sour wine, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The suffering that Jesus experienced was the cup that he drank, and it was complete when he said, it is finished. Do you know what that means? That means everything that was necessary for your sins to be forgiven and my sins to be forgiven was complete in that moment. You know what that means? That means... There's nothing, there's nothing that you or I can bring to God's table of righteousness 
you know, showing up to a Good Friday service, coming to, to, to an Easter service, which is this coming Sunday, like, that doesn't get you into his kingdom. What gets you into the, into the kingdom is what his son did on the cross in your place and in my place. He said, it is finished. And in saying that, he secured our salvation. And then, just in case there was any question as to who the victim was, why he hung on that cross, he said, with his final breath, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. While on the cross, he was in control the whole time. He wasn't the victim. He was the victor. He went to that cross to crush the head of the enemy known as the serpent, the devil, Lucifer. He went to that cross to make it possible so that sin would not overcome you or overcome me, so that we would not have to pay the penalty for our sins. That, I, that, that justice demands. He yielded up his spirit. His last act of surrender was his triumph, his triumphant act of obedience to the Father. Into your hands I commit my spirit. The job is done. The suffering is over. Six hours on the cross. It is finished. And now into your hands I commit my spirit. And then the final statement is what I want to spend the rest of our time thinking about. I, I was reflecting on the Gospels and I just was paging through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew and, and Mark tell us that these thieves, there was one on his right and one on his left that Jesus was crucified in the center of. Like he was here and there were the two thieves that the thieves reviled him. They mocked him. They joined in with the, with the mocking crowd, both of them. And, and I don't know what happened in the mind of the one thief, but, but something happened in the course of those six hours where something changed. And, and both, both of these men deserved to be on the cross. Both of these men had committed some type of crime that resulted in a capital punishment that put them on the cross. The only one that was innocent of those three men there on Golgotha was Jesus. And we read this account in Luke chapter 23, and the words will not be on the screen. I just want you to hear this. In verse 39, one of the thieves, one of the robbers who were hanged, railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Uh, one of my favorite preachers, pastors, is a guy by the name of Alistair Begg. And uh, he was reflecting on this moment where the thief asked Jesus, please remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus responds, says, you'll be with me today. Like, What must have it been like? when that thief entered into heaven. 
Was he asked questions by the angels? Uh, why are you here? Um, have you heard of justification by faith alone and Christ alone? Uh, no. How often have you read your Bible? Um, never. Have you gone to church? Um, no. Then why are you here? Well, all I know is the man in the center of the crosses said I could be here. That's why I'm here. It's a, if you think about it, it's a testament to, to the grace of God. This man, in, the, in, in what moments before they would experience death, asked Jesus, not to be with Jesus, but just, could you remember me? And Jesus said, I'll do one better. You could be with me. Like, and he didn't have all the theological knowledge of Jesus. Like I say frequently on, on Sundays, when it comes to your salvation, when it comes to faith in Jesus Christ, you don't have to have all your theological questions answered in order to get into heaven. You just need to be settled on one thing, and that is Jesus Christ died on a cross that you deserved and that I deserved, that he was buried, and on the third day he rose from the grave. You just need to be settled on that. The rest of it you can figure out as you go. This thief on the cross, he, 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 all he knew was enough. And what he knew was that Jesus didn't deserve to be on that cross, that he was hanging on that cross unjustly. And that on that cross, he would soon die, and then he would enter into his kingdom. And that's all he needed to know. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. It's uh, interesting, huh? Like I, I've said this uh, several times. If you're a Christian, all the righteousness that you could possibly need is perfect because all of your righteousness is in Jesus Christ alone. Is it good to read your Bible every day? Absolutely, you should. You should be growing in your faith. If you're a Christian, you should be growing in your faith. Is it good to pray? Yes, you absolutely should pray because it, uh, it, it deepens your relationship with this God who loves you. Should you attend uh, a church like this? Yes, you we need each other. You, you cannot grow as a Christian if you do not gather with other, other believers. But is all that, does all that add to your righteousness? Absolutely not. You are no better a, a, a Christian, or let me rephrase it this way, your righteousness is no better because of the amount of time you read your Bible, how many times you showed up in church, how many times you came to a Good Friday service or an Easter service or a Christmas service. If you're a Christian, if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and what I mean by that is not just believing in your head, but you're trusting in this Jesus, that he is the only means for your salvation. He is your only hope that when you breathe your final breath, you will not go to hell, but you will enter into his presence and his kingdom, in his heaven. And all your righteousness that you could ever possibly need is found in Jesus. And that is enough. And that is enough. And if you're here, and you're trying to figure out who this Jesus is, or if you're trying to figure out what does it really mean to follow Jesus, I would just submit to you that the Bible says 
The gift of salvation, what Jesus purchased on that cross, is free. It's free. And your response is just to receive it by faith. You know, I, I use this illustration a lot. Each and every one of you, when you came to this room, my guess is you didn't examine the chairs. You didn't make sure every screw was tight, that it would hold you up when you sat in the chair. You just sat in the chair. And for those of you, which is most of you who, who come pretty regularly, who Meadowbrook is your church home, uh, you know that the chairs can hold you up. These chairs can hold you up, right? I've not seen one person sit in a chair and it collapse here. <laughs> the same type of trust where you just sat in that chair, that your faith just led you to find a seat and you sat in it, is the, kind, is the same kind of dependence that we're called to have in Jesus. That's what leads to saving faith. That's what leads to salvation. That was the, that's what leads to the forgiveness of your sins. Not just believing it, but acting on it. That Jesus Christ is enough to cover all my sins, past, present, and future. And that his righteousness is my righteousness because of that. And that when I die, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is no condemnation that I will have to fear in facing because, because of my faith in Jesus Christ. And that I am loved with an everlasting love. That, the, that, that my heavenly Father, this holy God, looks upon me and he sees a son, he sees a daughter that he will welcome into his heaven because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. That's what, when I, when I read these seven statements Jesus made, that's what uh, I see in this statement that Jesus made to this thief moments before he died. And if you do not yet have a relationship with God, if you do not yet, if you have not yet placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I would implore you that you do so before you leave here today. Jesus is enough. He's enough. If you're here and you're not sure where you're at with your relationship with God, if you're here just trying to figure out who Jesus is, uh, two things. I strongly encourage you, come back on Sunday. We're going to talk about the resurrection. We have a 9.30 a.m. worship service and an 11 a.m. service. Uh, we'll have plenty of seats in here for everybody. So I'd encourage you to come back. But I'd also encourage you that before you leave here to just talk to God, pray to Him. You can just sit in the, you know, your chair before you leave and just say something to the, like this, to this effect. You know, God, this is what I prayed, by the way, when I came to faith with Jesus in Jesus. God, I don't know much about you. I don't know everything of what it means to follow Jesus. But what I do know is I want a relationship with you. What I do know is that I need Jesus in my life. What I do know is that he died on the cross for my sins. What I do believe is that he rose from the grave. Everything else I'm trying to figure out, but that I know, and I, I want you in my life. You could pray something like that in your own words. I'd encourage you to do that before you leave here, and then come back on Sunday. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for everyone in this room. Thank you for those watching the live stream. Thank you for this day, what it means that uh, Good Friday is not a memorial service. Good Friday is a celebration that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus the Christ, fully man, fully God, willfully and willingly went to the cross in our place 
for our sin. He was forsaken so that we would never be forsaken. He was cursed so that we would never be cursed. He drank every last drop of the wrath of you, O holy God, that we deserve for our sin. He did it in our place. And it was because of your great love, God, for us that sent your Son to die in our place. It was love that drove him to the cross. And so, God, I pray for every person in this room, especially those who are here who do not yet know you because they do not yet know your Son, that they would experience that love tonight before they leave. And for the rest of us, God, that we would celebrate that love every day, all the time. That our righteousness is complete and perfect because our righteousness is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he stands on our behalf advocating for us as our Savior. And we thank you for that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.